Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. So I'm reading from the letter to the Colossians this morning. Colossians chapter 1, and we're just starting a new series looking at this letter of Paul to the church in Coloss. Colossians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Coloss, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So I woke up this morning and... Uh, like the last couple of Sundays, we've been watching the forecast, so I've been watching the forecast, and especially Sunday morning, I make the call, are we going to have church outdoors, or is it a no-go? And uh, two Sundays ago, it was Pastor Lloyd's call to do that, and he made the squeaky call that we would have it outside anyway, even though it was calling for rain, and it was looking pretty dicey. And most of us were not sure he, made, he was making the right call. And then we got here, and it didn't rain. Not really. And so last Sunday, I tried to have the faith of Pastor Lloyd, and I, I called it. And it's like right before church, it started sprinkling here. And I'm like, I don't know. It's getting close. And then there was a little tiny bit while we were doing church, but nothing that really scared you off, right? Still glad you came? People who came, are you still glad you came? I'm glad you came. It would be really lonely without you. But I woke up, and my first thought was, I hope it doesn't rain. 
I really hope it doesn't rain. So check in the forecast. Not sure what to expect, but I hoped that it wouldn't rain. Now what you need to know is that the Apostle Paul is a careful guy. Like, he's got a larger-than-life personality. He's really passionate, but he's also careful with his words. And so as he opens up in this uh, opening part of the letter, he's writing to this church in Colossae. He says, Epaphras was the one that told them about Jesus and taught them the gospel message. But now he's writing them to give them some instructions to kind of follow up with them. And so he writes and he says, Timothy's there with them. And he and Timothy are writing together. They're sending this message to the church in Colossus. He says, we're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossus who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our father, give you grace and peace. And then he starts in to a passage that's known as the Thanksgiving. And incidentally, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever heard, but, but some scholars will look at some of Paul's writings and they go, hey, this is attributed to Paul, but they think maybe Paul didn't write it. And the reason sometimes they give for that, I personally think is a little weak, because they start looking at the words that he chooses for things, and they go, ah, uh, Often when he's talking about holiness, he uses this word, but there he used that word. And so maybe it's not him. Maybe it's somebody else writing. And, and that's why the choice of words. But he chooses words carefully because he knows who he's talking to and what their situation is. And just like some of us, when you're talking to your kids, you, you probably don't pull out those $50 words, right, from university. If you're writing a university paper, you might pull out some of those big words and go, this is where you pull out your full vocabulary because you want to really impress the professor. But you don't do that when you're talking to your five-year-old because they're not going to get it. And so Paul chooses his words carefully. And as he begins, he says, we always pray for you. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus. So he says, listen, Every time I think about you guys, I pray for you. And I pray with thanksgiving. I, I give thanks to God. And the biggest thing I give thanks to God for is because I've heard about your faith. I've heard about how you believe in Jesus. And because of your faith, he says, we've heard about your faith in Jesus and your love for all God's people. He says, that's the two things that church is known for. See, Colossus. It's kind of a small town, and, uh, and, and they used to be a bigger deal, but, but at this stage in history, there are other places that have sprung up and uh, that have taken on more political significance. So Colossus isn't all that big of a deal as a town. But Paul writes to them because he says their, their church is significant. There's something he's writing to them, and he realizes that they may not feel like that big a deal, but he writes them and he says, I'm writing to the holy people in Colossus who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, we pray and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of your faith and because of your love for all God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven kind of an interesting trio right he says we pray for your faith we've heard about your faith and we've heard about your love which come from your confident hope 
faith, hope, and love. You heard those three put together before? You probably heard of it, uh, whether you remember or not, from Corinthians. Corinthians, especially that love chapter, right, that they read at almost every single wedding ever done. And he says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Right. That's what he says in Corinthians. Corinthians was a place that really struggled with their love. They struggled in their relationships with each other. There was all kinds of tensions there. And Paul writes them to correct their lack of love. And he says, faith, hope, and love, but the most important of these is love. But here, when he's writing to the Colossians, he says, we've heard about your faith and we've heard about your love for all God's people, but those both come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. He says, you've had this expectation ever since you first heard the good news, the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. See, the situation in Colossus is a little different. And as we dig into the, to the rest of this letter, we'll find that Paul is writing them and that people around them have started to trample their hope. And they've suggested to them that it's kind of dumb to put their hope in God. They shouldn't really have their hope there. And I think you and I, at this moment in history, with all that's going on, Sometimes we understand, even if it's not for ourselves, we understand why the world is desperately in need of hope. There are things happening that make people wonder, is there any hope for this situation? What's the hope here? What, what, what can we hope for? What can we look forward to? What have we got coming that's good down the line that we can say we're hopeful about? And not in a wishful thinking kind of way. Not like a pastor checking the forecast going, well, I hope it doesn't rain. I really like to have church on the grass and see people's faces. I hope it doesn't rain. And when I say I hope it doesn't rain, I, I, I do pray about it. But, but it's not like it's going to shake my faith if it had rained this morning. It's not something that would consequentially change my whole life or make my whole world turn dark. But for the Colossians, they're in a situation where the people around them are kind of challenging their hope. And so the first thing Paul says to them is, we always pray for you. We're thankful that you believe, that you have faith in Jesus, active faith in Jesus. And, and we are glad that you believe what you believe. And, and we're thankful to God for your love for all of God's people. Like it's clear you guys love each other. Sounds like a church I know. And so he says, we're grateful for your faith. We're, we're really pleased and we thank God for your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope. He says, you guys got hope that things are not just what they seem. And, and even though you seem like a small deal and you seem like you're not any, any big thing in the world and it seems like you might not have this big impact, even though you feel small sometimes, You've got this hope, this confident hope that brings you faith and helps you to love other people around you and the people of God. He says you've had this hope because you're hopeful about what heaven holds for you. And so your hope isn't in temporal things. You don't just hope for the weather. You don't just hope that you'll make enough money uh, next week at work. You don't just hope 
that your needs will be provided. You've got a hope that goes way beyond that and, and has a much bigger scope. He says you've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. He says the, the hope that you have is way bigger than you, and it's the kind of hope that makes a difference in the world. And because of those things, the whole world, wherever this gospel goes, it does stuff. It changes lives. And he says it changed your life when you got it, and you are part of something that is massive and that is powerful. It's, it's a thing that ha brings great hope with it. The gospel of Jesus. He says the same hope that came to you is going out all over the world, and it's bearing fruit by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the first day you heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The first time it sunk in and, and you actually heard it and understood it and believed it, it started to change how you looked at the world, and all of a sudden, your world was filled with hope. And he says the effect that that had on you, what that did in you and what that did through you so that you started to love everybody around you. Because love in people is really tough if you're focused on your own concerns and your own needs and the things you lack and the things you want and the things that you, you think you've got to get in order to survive and to do well in life. And sometimes our world can get really self-absorbed with the things that are on their minds and the things that they're after and the goals that they've set for themselves and the ways that they can survive. But he says, look, the reason that you can have faith in God and the reason that that faith <coughs> can change the way you look at the world around you, and you can become completely unselfish with each other, the way that you can love each other and be concerned about other people's stuff more than you're concerned about your own stuff, the reason that you can do that is because of the hope that you have in the gospel because of the effect that the truth about Jesus has when it takes root in your life and you got to know that wherever it goes that truth takes root in people's lives and it cha it's changing lives all over the world you're part of something so massive that it's going places and it's doing stuff and it's changing lives everywhere So we sit here this morning, and in some ways we go, well, we're, we're people from Cobden and Renfrew. We're, we're, we're people from small towns. Like, we're not even a really big deal in Canada, much less the rest of the world. And, and there's a big world out there, and there's a lot going on. What can we do about it? What difference can we make? And Paul says the same good news that takes root in your life and that changes your life and creates the kind of community that it creates in Whitewater Wesleyan Church so that we love each other and we care about each other, we, we're concerned for each other's situations, the way that we can focus on others instead of ourselves, that that power of the gospel that does that can do it everywhere, in anyone. And he says, you got to know that you're part of something that's doing that all over the place. He says it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the first day you under heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit's given you. 
in those first few verses, he said, your faith and your love for all God's people. And then he starts to talk about how the love is spreading out all over the world, that, that the gospel is changing lives everywhere. And then he says, Epaphras is the guy that brought the gospel to you. Now he's hanging out with us to help out Paul and Timothy. And he says, he told us about your love. And this time he doesn't say for God's people. He says for others. Just anyone who's not you. It's like the, the love kind of started to grow within the people of God. It's like, it's like God's purpose is to work out his love among us. It's like the Petri dish where he grows a culture of love. And then once he's got it, he spreads it better than COVID. Like it's contagious. It can infect you. And I hope you get a full dose of it. The gospel can take root in our lives and it changes us and our relationship to each other. But then it starts to grow and spread and we start to have an effect on people we haven't even met yet. And we start to care about not just our ourselves and not just the people in our own families or even in our own church. <coughs> but we start to care about the entire world and the love starts to spread and infect, and it can grow like wildfire. Paul says that's what the Holy Spirit does when the gospel starts to grow in you. And then Paul starts to, to move on into this next section, starting in verse 9. He says, So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. You follow that? He says, we, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wants you to understand stuff about the world and about the way things really work and his place in the world so that you understand his kingdom. But he's not just giving that to you so you can believe it, it says, then you will live, you will live, all, all, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. He says the, the wisdom and the understanding he gives you isn't just so you can sit on it, or so that you can show off how smart you are at Christian parties by quoting scripture. starts to take root in your life and change how you go about things and change how you interact in the world so that you start to have a broader and broader influence. He says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. He talks about the knowledge and the wisdom he wants them to have and then he says it'll grow into, you know, it'll, it'll start to show itself in the way you live and then you'll know God better. And, and that progression isn't by accident. He says you grow with the wisdom and then you start living it. And, and it's after you know and you live that you start really, it's when those things are, are active that you really get to know God. You don't just get to know God by learning about him. You start to know God when you learn about him and you start to live out his kingdom. And there's stuff that you can't learn without doing. You know, some people, they kind of have to get hands-on in order to learn a new skill. 
for the teachers, they call it kinesthetic learning. It's just a smart way to say they're kind of they're hands-on, right? The person that needs to pick up the tools and do it and see how it works. And he says you got to got to be actively doing it in order to really understand God and to know who he really is. And you will learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you'll have the endurance and patience you need. He says as this starts to happen, as it starts to take root, as it starts to change who you are and how you look at the world, as it starts to take your focus from yourself onto other people, first within the people of God and then spreading out all over the world until you actually care about people that you have no reason to care for other than that God loves them. And you start to reflect his kingdom. He says when that starts to happen, you'll know God better. And he says, then we pray that you will have all the endurance and patience you need, that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. See, for the Colossians, they felt fairly powerless. And when people started poking holes in their hope and making them start to doubt whether they'd really got it right or not and whether they could really make any difference or not, he says, listen, don't you remember the way that the gospel took root and the way it treated, it, it started to change you and how your lives were changed and how you started treating the people around you and the people around you in the church started treating you? Don't you remember how that happened? And all of a sudden, the way you went about things was different? He says, that's happening all over the place. Like, you're not the only ones. It's, it's not just because you're small town people who fell for something. This power does stuff wherever it takes root. He says, that's the power of God. And even though you feel powerless, I want you to know you'll be filled with joy. And so we pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power. That his power will do stuff in you that you couldn't make up your mind to do. People don't become unselfish on their own because they decide they want to be a nice person they still end up focused on themselves if what they're doing is just trying to change their ways and trying to do a bit better. Sometimes people will do nice things for other people, but deep down, it never truly changes at the root of who you are until God gets a hold of you and starts to do what only the gospel can do. And so he says, may you be filled with that power. He's prayed and thank God for their hope that started to make a difference in them and reminds them of how much they need that hope and how that hope is well-founded because it's, it, it, it issues forth in the gospel that changes lives among them and among the whole world. And now he says, I pray that you'll have this power that comes from the Holy Spirit that will fill you up and do things that you could not possibly do on your own. He says, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. He says, you get something from this that isn't earthly. You share in the inheritance that belongs to God's people who live in the light. And he reminds them, you, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's what the gospel does. 
that's what it means to hope. And so he says that hope issues forth in the kind of faith and the kind of love that begins to take root and then spreads. And so he calls on the people of Coloss to remember who they are and remember what they've learned and to know the power of God and to not let anyone or any force or any thinking cloud their judgment and make them think that they are small and they're powerless and they can't make much of a difference because the problems out there are way too big and there's way too many other people who don't believe in it. He says, you have something in you that changed your lives and you know it. And that same power is not just imaginary thinking. It's been changing lives all over the world, wherever it takes root. And you got to know that God is doing something in you and through you that will help that to spread. And we can watch the numbers on the statistics, right, for COVID. I don't know how many of you at church, we kind of, we go through phases where we're watching it and we're going, I, I wonder, we, we got to make decisions about whether we're indoor church or outdoor church. And we got to make decisions about how we're going to go about things and what programs we're going to start up for the fall. And, and I wonder what the fall is going to look like. And I wondered, we wondered in the winter how that was going to play out. And when is there going to be a lockdown? When is there not going to be a lockdown? So we watch the, and we talk every day at lunch and the conversation and go something like, well, did you see how many new cases there are today? Uh, what are they talking about the vaccines? They've almost developed a vaccine. It's going to come out soon. I th think it's going to make a difference. And then it was how many people are vaccinated? And are, are we going to reach that level? Are we going to get a step three? And, and we follow the statistics and, and, and watch and wonder, is it, are they ever going to stamp out this disease or is it just going to keep spreading? There's a certain amount of dread in that because we don't know what that's going to mean for us and are our businesses going to be shut down again and are they going to close stuff and are we going to lose money and time and energy and are we ever going to get back to being able to go out and do stuff like playing hockey? How is life going to get back to normal because the disease is spreading and, and, and there's dread in the spread, right? Paul is talking to the Colossians about something completely different. They feel small and they feel powerless like we might. But then they, he, he starts to say, there is something that has the power to spread. And it's already taken root in you. And, and from what I hear, you guys have already caught a good, good, strong dose of the love variant. think it's it's getting full-blown you might be really infectious if you get too close to people they're going to catch that off you and there is no mask that stops love there is no vaccine for the gospel if it takes over you it will take over your behaviors and it will start to give you hope for the future that doesn't depend on the circumstances happening around you. Amen? And you can walk into this week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that having been impacted by what is happening in your soul because you encountered the same Christ Jesus who has transformed your life and began to mold you into the completely unselfish, loving person 
that does what Jesus called on us to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And when that happens, it all happens because you have a sure and a certain hope for the future, the near future and the far future, because you know what God is doing in you. And other people will try to talk you into believing that that hope is not as real and not as substantial. They will call fake news, but it is powerful. And the love virus, it spreads like no other. It is full of a power that no genetic testing and no scientist could stamp out. And Paul says, it started with you, and you got to know it's happening all over the place, and wherever you can take it, you got to know it will bear fruit. It will do stuff. It will change lives. And you're part of it. You're part of making that happen. And his prayer for them and my prayer for you is that you will experience that hope and that power that the Holy Spirit brings to spread the love of God and the gospel news that Jesus has saved us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and forgiven our sins. And that good news is good news that everybody needs to hear. I hope you've caught it. I hope it's so deep in your lungs that you cough it up everywhere you go. I hope you never encounter a cure for it. And that you live with that full virus until the day that you die and go to be with Jesus, who is our hope. Let's pray. This morning, God, we are people like the people in Colossus, and we feel sometimes small and powerless. Sometimes the forces of darkness and hopelessness trample on us, and we are tempted to doubt that we can make any difference. And sometimes we're scrambling to survive and look after our own families and, and concerned about our own well-being and our jobs and our future. And yet you call us into that great and glorious hope that your gospel grew in us. And we remember, when we look back, those of us who have encountered you, remember that first day we encountered the gospel, the first time we really understood what it really meant and how true it was, and it started to take root in us. We know that it changed our lives and that we could never be the same again because of it. And we thank you for this reminder that the gospel that went out to the Colossians and through the Colossians and other believers and started to spread around the world is still spreading in us and through us. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit's power means that we are not powerless like we feel sometimes. And we are not small like we sometimes believe, but we have a hope that is secure in something way bigger than us and way more powerful. And so we ask you that your love would take root in us, that because of the hope that we have in your kingdom and in your gospel, that we would be known for our faith in Jesus, and we would be known for our love, not just for the saints, but for everyone around us, everyone that we have the opportunity to encounter. I ask you that you would start 
to plant in us that kind of love that means that Whitewater Wesleyan Church would grow and grow and grow, that we would reach people with the gospel that we know changes lives and that it would change their lives like it's changed ours. And we know that's a big ask. And in this time, it's, it's really tempting to just huddle and, and try to bring each other comfort and try to struggle by. But you and your gospel are more powerful than any force in the universe. And we know what it did in us. And so we ask you for the faith to share it with anybody we can so that we become part of a larger world and our love begins to grow and infect those around us until there's no one that hasn't heard your gospel or encountered it in a way that they can believe so that they will find you too and join us in spreading it around the world. We pray in Jesus' name.